Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collective Show Podcast. I have Rebecca here. Hello. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Rebecca is known for having the Awake program. It is a 16-week academy with lifetime access to courses, meditations, and it's also self-paced academy. And the Awake program, it means like Academy of Wealth, Alchemy, and Kinetic Energy. So Rebecca, like tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you decided to make like the Awake program. Like what was the purpose behind it? When I was born, right, I have always had the ability to just read the energies in a room. I I used to see a ton of ghosts. I don't see as many now. And like, literally I could read what people were thinking and just kind of knew where they were coming from. I was always kind of a natural problem solver. And I thought that this was normal. I thought everybody could do this until I grew a little bit older and realized how disconnected people were. Like two people could be talking, but they really wouldn't understand what each other was saying. So then I was like, okay, what do I do with this gift? Back then they didn't have academies like this. So I decided to be a psychologist. But I was extremely disappointed. You know, I got my graduate degree, had three mental health centers and primary care practices with like the way, I guess, psychology was formatted, how still disconnected the whole atmosphere was in in that realm. And so I quickly realized, you know, first of all, I can't have anything to do with pharmaceutical companies and I need to get into a deeper, deeper type of work where I feel like people can really connect the dots. And that's where... I became an integrative energy healing practitioner. It's, I guess, an official name of what I call myself, but it's like so much more. It's actually the ability to connect with the energy around you 24 seven and create the reality that you want, or at least realize that you're creating your reality, whether you want it or don't want it, you're creating it and being able to work in that consciousness. Through a lot of things that's happened in my life, I've learned to surrender. Surrendering is very important whenever you are doing anything in your life and surrendering is just the ability to let go become vulnerable open up and receive a lot of people will talk about surrendering when something bad happens but it doesn't have to be bad it's just if you can do that without something bad happening then you can surrender without something bad happening it's just okay i'm ready i let go of what i think i know so when i was in that state of being of surrendering is when I started to really hear the messages of my guides. I call them guides, but they're probably essentially like a higher guidance of me, but they actually, you know, come to me in forms of two beings, one divine masculine, one divine feminine. And I was sleeping one day when I was dating my husband, we weren't married at the time. And it was like one of those things where, you know, it wasn't a dream, but it kind of feels like a dream. My divine guardian dad walked into the room. He was a very tall white being with kind of like what you would imagine those slanted eyes. And I was like first petrified. And I looked up at him and I was like going to scream. But then I looked into his eyes and I said, I know you. And he smiled and he reached into my arm where I'd gotten these invisible portal tattoos a couple of years earlier. And he put these codes or activations in me. It felt like warm sludge. And then he disappeared. And then I slept with the light on for the rest of the night because I was a little freaked out. But when I went to sleep, finally, I sat straight up and I said, the Academy of Wealth, Alchemy and Kinetic Energy. And what they had told me was that they said, we're bringing our children to you. Because I feel like I was in a state of surrendering enough where I could carry the information that they wanted to release. And so their children being what we call star seeds. And it's the, your star seed, really, if if you can look at the world and say, 
okay, something's not right here. You know, there's not a level of compassion where we need to be like, it's a, it, if you're the type of person that looks at people that hunt and they kill animals and you're like just devastated by it, or you're looking at people kill bugs and you're like, oh, how can they kill bugs? You know what I mean? Or you're looking at the, the school programs and being like, why are we being taught this way? This doesn't make any sense. We're so programmed. And it's like, you're sitting in a world where you don't recognize it. You're like, I don't really belong here. Okay. So the star seed energy is stepping in now and awakening to shift the world into like a new earth. <laughs> so I know that you work with zero point meditations. Like that's kind of ideally the main focus. Yeah. So one of the things I like about the message that they, that, you know, my higher beings give me and then the codes is, is in spirituality, we say there's no such thing as time, right? That's mm -hmm. one of the statements of spirituality, but yet people talk a lot about past lives. So that doesn't really make sense. Does it to talk about like a past or a future if we're timeless? So one of the things about the zero point is the point of neutrality where it's in your heart space, right? Because the heart space does not think about the past or the future. Literally, if you were to go into your field or your heart and sit, cut your brain out, and you were to think about a problem, you wouldn't be able to think about it in the future or the past. It just, you could only think about it in the present moment and then it dissolves itself. So zero point is being in that point of zeroness, of neutrality, of where there's no past, there's no future, just here in the now. It's the place of, death and rebirth at the same time. And if you're in that point, you can create or discreate anything you want. Mm -hmm. So when you look at past lives, you can start seeing them as like parallel. Everything is parallel. It's in the here and now. So when you visit a lifehood, it's not that it's necessarily a past lifehood. It's, it's all happening around you at the same time, the many worlds theories. And what you can do with that is you can pull in what's useful for you, or take out what's not useful for you and go and bring it into the here and now and create what you want. 100%. Um, so I had uh, some psychedelic experiences that I actually recently just started working with the last six months. And there was a time where I was experiencing the 3D plane and the 4D plane and playing around with time. And I could kind of like control the time. And I'm like, so I understand what you're saying, how, you know, time isn't rel relative. Yes, we know that, but it's when you have that experience of actually working with time, it's like, wow, actually I understand what they mean now. Sometimes I think it's like having the experience of what people are trying to teach you gives it like a wider perspective actually on it. Like, I know you do like play, play certification which is psychedelic languaging activation and coding so were you do you think like when working with the psychedelics yourself like did you learn how to work more with time or uh, becoming present and zero point meditation stuff like that because I feel like with me I became super present but actually understanding what it means to be present and letting go and just surrendering to that moment and not basing it on anything like no identity you're just your your pure essence of natural state of being. I cannot begin to give my psychedelic experiences enough gratitude. So I started in 2014 when I did ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru with the shamans in a UCLA psychiatrist who became a shaman. So I got to see the Western medicine and the Eastern medicine perspective of it. And I do, I've done hundreds of ceremonies, you know, learned to facilitate them. But what I noticed was, and the reason I call it play is because of this, 
Play stands for psychedelic languaging, activation, and encoding, like you said. But the play part of it is important because what I noticed is, is we'd all sit in the Maloka, which is a big round building in the middle of the Amazon, and there'd be 30, 50 people there. And you would just sit there because the shamans wanted, they needed an environment that's conducive for Europeans, Canadians, Americans that are all coming, that's never had experience with the medicine, right? So they're not going to let people get up and run around. So you sit on your mat and you're quiet. And you go through internal journeying, which is really profound. But what I noticed is when I left the Maloka, it's when they said, okay, everybody's dismissed. And I walked outside that things started like aligning, like you wouldn't believe, like synchronistically. Like I would see potentially an animal that would walk up and look at me and then I'd follow them and they would lead me someplace to where I needed to go. There would be, I would be thinking about something in my mind and someone would come up and answer what I was talking about. It's like everything was just right in front of my face. All of my answers were right there in front of my face. And so what psychedelics has taught me is, yeah, the answers are right in front of your face all the time. We miss them because we're looking too much in the past or too much in the future. And so I've had some really profound examples of that. Um, For example, like I was facilitating a ceremony in Mount Shasta. And I learned this. I learned that there's no mistakes. Everything is the way it's supposed to be because the universe is giving it to you at that moment. And there was a girl who was going through it. And she was like, Rebecca, I'm going to lose my mind. Okay. Cause she was, she was on the ayahuasca right then there was a huge thunderstorm that started outside rain, thunder, lightning. I was like, okay, we're supposed to go. The universe is saying, okay, this is for you. And she's like, you want me to go out there and sit with you? I was like, absolutely. And she, she tried to put on her jacket and I was like, oh, your jacket's not going to help you where we're going. So she takes off her jacket. We sit in the just drenched grass. It's raining. It's pouring. Lightning is just all around us. She had almost an instantaneous healing, not even 120 seconds. She went from almost losing her mind to completely smiling and laughing. And she's like, I can't even believe that. It's the importance of knowing that that thunderstorm was for us mm-hmm. and not saying, oh no, we can't go outside. It's thunder and lightning. Right. It's it's like you have to get past the limited beliefs and actually, but even psychedelics or like any plant medicine that you use kind of like allows those limited beliefs to quiet down. And it's more so like you said, just play. So I love that you actually created the name play because that is what it is. It's just creating and being in the flow and being at play and observing. That's that's what our true nature is. And And do you feel like, when you're doing these ceremonies or when you experience and like um just so the audience kind of knows some of the experience that you can have which is like you know hearing the rocks or hearing the animals telepathically you know everything's consciousness and seeing entities when you do like third eye activations through the medicines like what is like one profound experience that you have that really shifted your life in a way that you feel like could shift the audience perspective as well that is a really good question to just point out one, but um, I'm going to do the first one that just came to my mind. Okay. okay. And I have a divine daughter. Okay. She's six years old. She's extremely psychic. She wakes us up in the middle of the night by telling us that Egyptians are working on her and she doesn't <laughs> understand their languages. And like, you know, she's, she's so she's, she got her first client when she was two. She's healed rare blood cancer. She's absolutely, I mean, phenomenal. This girl I learned from her, she doesn't have rules. We do not tell her when she's hungry. You know, the parenting style is very unique because we have to make sure she stays in her abilities. And why I'm telling you that is because this is how she came about. My husband and I had only known each other 
um, well, we know each other since 2008, and this was the years 2014 when I went to my first ceremony in I in ayahuasca in Peru. But I'd only seen him literally four times. I was sitting next to a guy who I thought I was in love with. I'm sitting in the Maloka. My starseed guides come down by one ayahuasca, and they say, "You're supposed to have a baby through Nile, which is my husband." Now, not the guy I was sitting next to. He's the guy I'd only seen for four times. And I was like, what? I barely even know him. And they're like, you have to have a baby through him. And so I look at the guy that I'm in love with and I'm like, trusting my guardian parents and I'm on ayahuasca and I'm like, what do I even do with this? So this was in the year 2014. Fast forward, you know, I'm thinking this in my mind, like, okay, I, this is just so crazy, right? One night I was out, I had I had a couple drinks and I was like, okay. I'm going to do this. I Facebooked Niall, which is my current husband, and said, hey, I think we're supposed to have a baby together. And he says, and he's single, right? Never been married, has a really good job at the time. And um, he's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> he was down for it. And I was like, what? What do I even do with that energy, right? So then I wake up the next day and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this. And it's been eating, it eats at me. And then whenever that relationship fell through with the guy that I was with at the time, I did it. I listened to my guides. I went to visit him and I didn't even realize I was ovulating. And then he walks in and he's like, okay, let's have that baby. And, and the first time I tried to, and I was 42 and I conceived and got pregnant. Mm -hmm. First time went to the airport to go home. Cause I visited him in Michigan. The, the security guards pull me aside. And they're like, we have to pat down like the area of your vagina. It's all orange on our screen. And I was like, what does that mean? They're like, usually it means you have explosives right after she was conceived. So turned out quite magical. I'm married to him now, right? Didn't even know where this was going to go. Deeply in love with him. She's amazing. But you want to talk about profound. That's the ultimate surrendering trust. I am in like connection with my spirit babies. They come through my dreams and they'll send me like 3D physical signs that they're connected to me. And, you know, they every spirit that's connected to you guides you in a, in a way that's meant for you in divine timing. So I, I have a question. Like, how, how do you just intuitively know how to raise your starseed child? Like, where do you start like kind of? understanding what is a limited belief of how parenting should go and what's best for my starseed child to have that good self-esteem and be able to access fully with confidence in themselves and their gifts. That is such an amazing question. Okay. So I was a behavioral psychologist too, and I would try to teach parents parenting. Right. And then I realized that's wrong. Like, so when I came, came into this world and Willow was born, what I realize is, is that we actually know nothing. So to raise her appropriately, and this is going to sound crazy, we could we actually went into not having rules. So you eat three meals a day, you have to do this, you have to do that. That's all programming. Who am I to tell her when she's hungry? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She walks up to us and tells us when she's hungry. I don't teach her that you have to listen to your elders. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's nice to be respectful, but don't, she's always questioning what's going on. Like she questions, that's fine. So it's like a boundary of, yeah, teach them to be polite, but don't teach them to martyr. Don't do anything out of guilt, you know, even to the point where this was interesting. My, my, her granddad, which is my husband's father, 
I was sitting in the living room with her and she wanted to be alone and she was playing. So she looks at, at granddad or he came into the room and she looks at him and she's like, granddad, can I be alone, please? I want to play by myself. And he looked hurt. And my husband says, well, no, no, granddad can stay here. You need to be nice to him. He's your granddad. And then I pulled my husband aside. I was like, what you just told her was, is if she feels uncomfortable and she wants to be alone, not to say anything. What if that guy was going to touch her? Not saying your dad is, he's not going to, but what if he was? We've just taught her to put up with it. So no, she needs to say her truth. And her truth is she wants to be alone. And the person needs to deal with that truth. So it's the ultimate freedom as a child. Listen to what they say. Listen to them. Don't tell them they're wrong. You know, my, my, one of my children, it was so funny because she's five, she's 17 now, but she was five and we were talking about lying. And she says to me, mommy, what if there's a lie in my truth? And what she meant is, is what if my truth sounds like a lie to you? And then, you know, instead of, you know, I went into that. And one thing that, that I've done with my children too, is I, I play non-judgment. I say, we can't judge each other 10 days. Like, not one judging statement can come from either one of us. And when you have a teenager, that's actually kind of hard. Yeah, that taught us a lot, you know, not to judge one another, um, not to function out of guilt. So, and this came back as a parent to bite me in the butt because I'm teaching my children not to do anything out of guilt. So then when they're older mm -hmm. and I'm on the phone with them and they're in college and I say, hey, are you coming home? And they're like, no, I don't want to. And I'm like, going into the programs and making them feel guilty to come home. And they're like, no, mom, I'm not doing it out of guilt. So my own teaching comes back and bites me in the butt. But like, yeah, you just have to be like open, listen to what they say. And I understand wanting your child to be polite, but you literally have to put your hands up and say, there's no rules. Mm -hmm. And listen to what they, they teach you and they guide you to do. So it's like, you're really learning from your intuitive and empathic like children instead of them instead of you teaching them something like yes you're guiding them and teaching them but only in ways that benefits them and allows them to to grow and flow and observe themselves in their environment as well instead of placing these limited beliefs onto them and and kind of constructing a social rule or idea of what they should be doing in their life which that's a blessing you know yeah I'm happy that that's the way that you chose to parent. Thank you for that. If they don't yeah. say thank you, I'm saying thank you. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. No, and it's, it's because everybody's born as a psychic channel. Every single child, you, everybody is born a psychic channel. It's the little things like your child says, come here, mommy. I want to show you something. No, no, come here. Get over here. Come with me. Your child might've just gotten an intuitive hit that you've just pulled her arm back and said, let me show you something. So, so it's everything. Just listen, they will be miraculous. One time I was complaining about being so bloated. I had had all this because I had to have a surgery done and I had tons of water weight. I gained 14 pounds and I am just complaining to my husband about the water weight and my daughter, by the way, I did ayahuasca when I was pregnant with her. Okay. But when she comes up to me, she's, and she was about four at this time. And she says, it's time that we go look at the plants, mommy. And of course I look at her and I know who she is. So I put my shoes on. She takes my hand. We just moved in this house, the lake. She takes me back and looks at these plants, skunk cabbage. I looked them up. I took, you know, how you can take a picture on Google image. They're skunk cabbage. Look up the properties of skunk cabbage releases water weight. Mm. 
Yeah. They are so psychic. If you've listened to what they say, they will give you messages beyond belief at, starting at a very early age before they can even talk. They will take your hand and guide you to the answers. I love that. I'm, and I'm definitely going to incorporate that into my parenting. So when you fell in love with the person that you were with during that time, like when your guide stepped in and said, you need to get pregnant have a, and raise a child with this person, like how do you deal with loving so many people in your life and accepting that that person's not meant for you in that season to still say no I have to leave these memories and this idea of you and and just you as a person how do you understand what's better for you even if you're not aware of it fully at that time okay that is such a loaded but really good question so you're talking about the twin flame journey right and what I can tell you right now is the twin flame journey will show up as different people there are different people will come into your life, but it's ultimately about you. So the best thing that you need to realize and what I've learned is, is you have to come to a space in your life where you could be 100% alone, where you have so much self-love and so much play in your life that it's a playground every day. And then that person will come. What happens is, is it's when we think we need attachments that we get in trouble. So, and this is the human program is to have a human evolution. You're, you're meeting somebody, you're so in love with them. Right. And normally what happens is, is things kind of start to go bad. You get these red flags and then you start looking at, at the good times. You're looking at the past. Okay. And you're saying, Oh my gosh, I love him so much. I can't even imagine my life without him. The one reason we're attached to people is because we think they carry something of ours. They, they carry a meaning about us. So you look at that person and you say, what is, what is it about me that I've given to them that they have? And normally it's the answer of so much love, laughter, like acceptance, you know, all of that, whatever your answer is. Okay. I need to regain that back in me, take it back from giving it to them and give it back to me. And then trust and faith, because the one thing about being getting out of a relationship is, is, and I get it. Trust me. I get it. People think I'm never going to find this again. I can't live without that person. I am million percent, one zillion percent guarantee you that that is not true. And -hmm. it's the faith of knowing you've just taken back your power and given it to yourself. Okay. And now you're ready for the next level to, to level up again. And the person you're with is always going to be a mirror of you. So if you're looking, if you're with someone who slaps you across the face, then you need to look at yourself and say, how are you slapping yourself across the face? And normally it's like, I'm not taking care of myself. I don't love myself enough. I'm letting myself be treated bad, you know, and that's how you get all your answers. And eventually you'll learn to trust the universe so much that even if you let that relationship go, you are going to go on a level of deeper self-love and you're going to manifest a relationship beyond your wildest dreams through that. And and what's the difference between a soulmate and a twin flame? Like the, the like love that you feel, but also what does it kind of look like the difference in a relationship? This is a really good question and people will give you different answers. But my personal answer is, is a twin flame is someone who is always going to be a catalyst catalyst to your growth. Okay. So that's, let me give you an example. And it's a very small example. I believe I'm in a twin flame relationship with my husband. So 
I have this thing where I'm, if you look, if you walk in my house, it's going to look really clean, right? Because I have a cleaning lady and I always make sure things look clean. Even if I didn't have a cleaning lady, it would look clean. But if you open up my drawers, the drawers are messy. And I don't even know what happens with my car, but it's a disaster. So then my husband, the exact same thing. He has the exact same things. It's like the drawers and cabinets are messy. He messes the car up. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, like we have to, the car needs cleaned. Okay, that's a twin flame, right? A soulmate would be someone who says, Rebecca works a lot. You know, she's got a lot. She's She does a lot in life. I think I'm going to clean her car for her. Aww. I think I'm going to clean this cabinet for her. Oh, that's harmony, isn't it? Because that soulmate's fitting with me like a puzzle. Like these things about me that I am weak at, he's strong at. Mm. flame is going to be like oh no you're going to look at that messy messy car Rebecca you're going to look at that messy cabinet and say why is my car always messy and then what I learned is is I'm, I was always too much in a hurry looking into the future instead of just being in the moment just cleaning my car out before I got or organizing the cabinet before I shut it it's about being in the present moment so the catalyst which was my twin flame which also had messy cabinets we worked on that together and that's beautiful and so it's more so that a soulmate is going to be your peace and harmony and balance you out, but twin flame is your reflection. So it's kind of like, it's simply just to reflect what you already have within you. So you can kind of decide to become aware and understand what you're going to choose to do about it. Absolutely. And you can be in harmony with a twin flame as long as you are willing to do the work. Mm. So it takes my husband and I, you know, I yelled at him about, and this is a very small example. I'm giving that example. It goes much larger, right? But this is easy for people to kind of wrap their head around. That day I'm talking about, it was right after an ayahuasca ceremony because you learn. And I was yelling at him about how the car is always messy. And I learned that that's a mirror. And so I was able to stop myself and be like, Rebecca, you're just as messy as your car as he is, you know? And then, so we were able to sit down and be like, let's talk about this. Like, why do we always keep our cars messy? And we would be like, oh, we're always in a hurry thinking ahead. We worked on that. Now that's, like I said, a kind of a generic example, but it goes much larger. Mm -hmm. You have to have the willingness to sit down and realize it's in you too. It's not just the person you're yelling at. You want to look in the mirror and yell at yourself and then work on it. Mm -hmm. And then it can be a harmonious relationship because when you have that level of, of evolution in your relationship, you'll never stop growing and creating together. Whereas soulmates, sometimes you can settle. I can tell you're really tapped in and so self-loving to yourself. You're like so open because you're confident when you speak. It's like a very active heart space and throat chakra. How can people kind of start their path? Like everyone's path is going to look unique to them. But like if you can give them kind of like an idea of where to start using their heart space and opening it up, because a lot of time that's where our guides are asking us to start from is from our heart, seek into your heart, open your heart, lead with your heart. But how can people do that to have a catalyst jump into ascending or having these miracles and opportunities happen for them in their lives? You're asking really important, profound questions, by the way. Um, so you're, you're obviously tapped in too. This is a, this is a very big answer too. So, you know, I'm 48. You're what? How old are you? 20. Okay. Ooh, if I could say this to my 20 year old self, this, <laughs> this, this is, this is huge. So we are deeply, deeply, deeply programmed individuals to the point where we martyring is so deeply programmed in our existence. And what martyring is, is thinking you have to do something for somebody. 
Okay. I only do something for somebody if I energetically want to. So you have to think of it like this. If your heart, if you were to go sit in your heart and your heart was a river and there was a, a beautiful raft that you were sitting in, in that river in your heart, and you were to open up your heart to where it wanted to go, where would you float to? Where would that river go? It's going to go where it wants to go. It's not going to listen to your brain. You have a choice. Okay. You open up that, that floodgate where you guided. Oftentimes you're going to get an answer that's different from your head. It's the courage to listen to your heart and not your head. And when I say courage, I mean courage because you're going to be breaking rules. You're going to be making people mad. You cannot live for other people. You can't. And if you do, you're wasting so much time in your life. And it took me a very long time to realize that. Okay. Down to, you know, I've had, so like, if you could take that advice right now and actually use it and start to get through that like uncomfortable zone of listening to your heart, then you'll completely always think with your heart because what it will do is it will completely vindicate you. It'll free you beyond belief. And you have to be willing to be alone to do it. Now, you're never, ever ultimately alone when you do this. But I had to be willing to say, I don't care if I piss off everybody in my life and I'm sitting in a box alone. I'm going to do what I, my heart wants to do. Mm-hmm. But where that led was me having the best friends and the most magical relationships I could imagine because it's the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, that's beautiful. I am actually on that path right now, meeting divine like-minded connections or where I'm currently, like my frequency is resonating. So like, I understand it takes discernment and self-discipline to also kind of allow yourself to see the imagination of the many possibilities you can create into your life or just attract into your life what's, what's best for you. And sometimes I think it's just, making the choice and just saying it to yourself, just affirming to yourself that's what the things you want, desire, need, that's aligned with your core vibration or your soul's contract or what the universe has aligned for you is what ultimately allows those things to flow much quicker into your life. When things start to shift really fast, like once you start to really seek within and not base what you want on outside projections, and it's starting at really fast pace. How did you allow yourself to stay grounded? Like what were some of the techniques that you did? When you go into this journey, just the fact that your awareness is in this journey, that's when that stuff starts to happen because the universe is like, oh, okay, she she wants to see, she's ready. So then they call like this, like a Kundalini wake up, a Kundalini activation that people go through like psychosis supposedly. But what it really is, is you always have to stay grounded in your truth. And that is no matter what, if I believe this stuff, I believe this stuff because you can start questioning your own belief systems when stuff starts to happen around you. What you need to do is you need to remember your truth, stay grounded in it, really, really stay cemented in who you are. And for me, I truly believe my higher self is always working with me, right? So let's say something's happening that day that my lo- my 3D self is not liking, which happens to everybody. I have to have the ability to go into my truth and be like, well, Rebecca, you know, your higher self is working for you. So what's happening here. And then I just talk to my higher self and bring my 3d self together with my higher self and say, okay, this is happening for a reason. Why is it happening? What is your heart telling you, Rebecca? So really 
the more you get into your heart and listen to your heart and you stay grounded in your truth, that is the ultimate grounding to have. Okay. And, and I just saw my higher self for the first time, I believe on the 5th of October. So this month. Um, and when I met my higher self, I had, you know, some vision, some symptoms, some signs, different messages that I'm still integrating. What is the symptoms or like the clarity or intuition that's different from when you're not integrating with your higher self or not aware with your higher self? Like, how does it show up? Okay. Okay. So I have a really good example for this, but let me tell you a bit about the higher self. The higher self is the part of you that does not function through guilt, doubt, shame, fear. Okay. It's like the all knowing self. So it's the part that doesn't exist in the 3d, but it's like, okay, it knows that you're connected to God creator source and your higher self knows what it wants for you, but it's trying to communicate with your 3d self that has all these shadow energies, guilt, doubt, shame, and fear and programming. So sometimes the higher self cannot accurately communicate with the 3d self through all of that stagnant stuck energy. So what that can look like is, I'll give you an example. I would, <laughs> I would do these vision boards, which always came true, right? I had a picture of a. And this was like years and years and years and years and years ago. I had a picture of um, a white Jeep Wrangler, and I was teaching a manifestation course, and I showed this vision board to my course, and I said, "Do you notice everything on this vision board came true? Except I don't have a white Jeep Wrangler." And I said that to them, and then I was like, "I'm going to work on that." And then they went and started doing their manifestations. And then I was like, hmm. And I started working on the manifestation of my white Jeep Wrangler. But I have, I never, ever, ever went to look for the white Jeep Wrangler. So I said I wanted the white Jeep Wrangler, but I never went to look for it. So literally two days later, I'm driving down the road and I'm, and my car water pump explodes. Okay. And then it's exploded right next to a rental place. Okay. Which the, the rental cars were super expensive. So I had to spend all this money on a rental car got my car towed in to get fixed, went to pick up my car. And they said to me, and I just got new tires like six months earlier. They said to me, you need to sign something saying, if you don't buy new tires from us, that um, we're not responsible for your death if you leave here on these tires. And I was like, no, these tires are under warranty. So I took the car, signed the death thing to the place that I got the, the tires at. And they're like, through our calculations, you get $25. And these are like $800 tires. So then I was like, I'm getting a new car. Okay. I'm just thinking, I'm not even thinking about my manifestation. I'm like, I'm getting a new car. Screw this. So then I drove that car into a car dealership. The first car that's sitting on the lot was my white Jeep Wrangler. Beautiful. But here's the thing. And I got it. It was amazing how that went down. I actually owed $19,000 on my old car and got $20,000 for it. So I actually had $1,000 put towards the Jeep Wrangler. But I said to my higher self, what the heck was that all about? And the higher self was like, you kept saying you wanted a white Jeep Wrangler, but you never, ever went to go look for it. Mm. So we, we had to make all that happen to get it. But during the process, that was not pleasant. Water pump exploded, very expensive rental car. Tires were supposed to be in warranty. They weren't. I had to sign my own death warrant over. You know what I mean? Like, so if I would have just said, I want a white Jeep Wrangler, I think I'm going to look for that. None of that would have had to happen. Mm-hmm. Does that makes you know what I'm saying? You have to do what you think you want. Like if you're saying, I want to, I want to be in a beautiful, healthy, happy relationship, and you have someone that's screaming in your face, slapping you across the face, well, that's then obviously your higher self is gonna have to work to get you out of that relationship because you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that looks like he goes to prison or you go to prison or whatever it has to happen, it's gonna happen to get you out of that relationship. 
So the best thing you can do to accurately communicate with your higher self is to do what you know you need to do. I agree with you. Beautifully said. Like, I I understand that. Honestly, like wholeheartedly, I understand that. Know that like the intuitive feeling of understanding how the universe will kind of create challenges in your life until you decide to leave what's in your way to get what you want. And exactly. that, and that's why so many people, when they're asking for the thing that they're like, that they want, sometimes they don't even keep it or it's challenging. Um, I just want to go over some of the certifications you have with the awake program. Cause I have some questions on some of the certifications. We have integrative holistic practitioner and energy healing certification, quantum shifting, neurologistic programming and life coaching, zero point acceleration, DNA encoding, medical intuitive, hypnotherapist, Reiki uh, one and two master, and shamanic healing and journeying. It's a beautiful program with all these divine certifications like it's a lot that you get for this package i want to ask a little bit more about the quantum shifting certification so what does that kind of look like okay i actually love that one um so you are living in your avatar right your avatar is your body and most people look at the physical body and they're like okay it's physical i can feel it i can see it and now i know you've heard of chakras right you know that we Mm -hmm. have energy centers in the body what does it communicate with? The energy centers go where? This is where the quantum shifting comes in. So the energy centers go into the quantum field. You call it your kinesthetic body, your etheric body. There is a you outside of you. Okay. And that is the quantum. I want you to think of of that as the quantum. The quantum, it's interdimensional. You know, it it exists in many different frequencies. So an example of really good quantum work would be When you're listening, even some of my meditations that you listen to, your body will start convulsing. When you're working on you energetically in the quantum field, okay, which we always essentially are working in the quantum field, but a lot of times to get into the quantum field, you want to think of shape-shifting or or movement that Mm -hmm. that will teach you. What will happen is, is as it's changing in the quantum field, it's communicating with your physical avatar. It has to be together. It has to go in unison. And your physical avatar will start moving it'll start doing these movements by itself and shaking because it's assimilating into the quantum. And then it's actually assimilating into your physical so that you can bring it into the 3d and manifest what you want. Does that make sense? Yes. So I do um, reality shifting and, you know, astral projection. So I'm kind of like, I, I feel like I am tapped in with working with different realities but I'm still getting adjusted to working with different frequencies. Like when I do feel the 4D or 5D, trying to become aware of what that feels like and how to practice working with that more. So when you're saying like quantum shifting in that way, it's like, is it more like what I'm talking about where you're kind of working with both frequencies and just learning how to integrate it? Like, okay. And So it's also, so like when you're doing the quantum shifting certification, is that reality shifting or is it more like uh, quantum healing or working with the Merkurba? Is it stuff like that? It can be all the above. It is completely about the ultimate goal of our lives is for our reality to shift, right? Um, So it is about taking what you've just done in the quantum field and bringing it into the here and now. That's why in a lot of, you'll see a lot of people put out um, videos when they're working in the quantum, people start convulsing or doing all these movements. It's because their physical body is assimilating with, with what their quantum's doing. 
-hmm. And then you're you have to ground that through the tailbone. And you'll also notice like if you take your fingers and go to your calves and start pressing on your calf muscles, they'll hurt like a lot because the energy tends to get trapped in our calves. So that deep tissue massage is really good when you're doing the quantum work as well. Remember, it's all about going into that that state of what you've just created in the, in the beautiful energy world and bringing it into the here and now. Oh, okay. So I understand. So you're creating the energy and frequency you want in the quantum and bringing it into your physical body. Yes. You are the so, avatar. It has to manifest through the avatar. Yes. Okay. And, and I'm kind of like aware, you know, everything is play, like everything's Im using imagination. So I'm just assuming that you also can, uh, set the intention to bring in other gifts or lessons from other versions of yourself in the quantum, like different quantum timelines and bring it into this avatar as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, people call that many worlds theory or um, they'll, they'll talk about timeline jumping. That's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. But it can all go into the same thing. Oh yeah. Oh, multi-first theory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. So um, also with zero point acceleration that that's kind of like the zero point meditation or like you know getting to that point but what's the acceleration part so the acceleration is okay so let me give you an example of a really good zero point incident that happened to me zero point is essentially and it sounds easier than what it is is what we were talking about earlier by existing in that neutral point not being ruled by past or future okay so and actually knowing that the world's going to show you what it needs to show you right then, right in front of your face. And the acceleration is, man, will it go fast when you do. So let me give you an example. I had done a lot of work on myself. Okay. So many, so many ceremonies. Um, we were building a house and the electric and plumbing needed done. So the electric and plumbing went out like at the same time. And I called Rush Services, who I knew did electrical work. And I rushed, they're called rush because they rushed to your house and they fixed my electric. Okay. And I'm like, oh gosh, the electric works. The plumbing needed done so bad. And I was driving and I was like, and I called so many plumbers and I said to myself, I wish rush services had plumbing. Not even one minute later, a rush service truck drove by that said, we now do plumbing. Oh, that was instant acceleration into the zero point. Like they did not do plumbing. I promise you. I had called them and they came over and did my plumbing. It's like, it's the ultimate miraculous miracles that happen. Mm -hmm. What's your human design, like your archetype? Do you know I've never even done that? Oh, uh, mine's a manifesting generator. I was just going to ask because each archetype has like different um, ways of working with their gut feeling or intuition. And I'm saying like, you're so tapped in and powerful. I was just trying to see which one you were. So people who also have that archetype can like understand how to work with that. that. Oh. Yeah, as well. Um, but so when you're using, so do you feel like that's more like a, what do, what do you call that? When things like divinely happen in that divine time like that, is that, do you you're think it's your point? Oh, okay. You're in that point where nothing exists. Nothing is the truth. It's like death and rebirth. So I discreated the fact that rush services didn't have plumbing and created the fact that they did. Okay. It's, it, it, and know that your reality can completely shift around you. So you have to get, it's part of that thinking you're crazy thing. Like, did that just really happen? Like things aren't what they seem. Hmm. That's, you know, so it's that zero point, but it's also 
being in the heart, which is the zero point, and then knowing, so manifestation, I want you to think of it like this. If you turn the radio station to 104.5, you're probably not going to get 95.5's music, okay? So we're the same way. All Manifestation is basically what we're resonating, what frequency we are. It's waves of energy. So remember, your station is only going to attract like frequency. So you can't be thinking negative and going around full of hate and resentment and guilt, doubt, shame, and fear and say in your brain, but butterflies and unicorns, you know, you're going to get the frequency of what you're putting out. Like, it's just, it's, that's why people will say, but I've tried to manifest. I'm thinking good thoughts. What are you feeling? What are you resonating? Because you're a radio station at that point and your electromagnetic frequency, your waves of energy are calling in light waves of energy. So it's the ultimate goal of really having fun, being joyful, loving yourself and not worrying about the programming around us. That's when you'll see the best manifestations come to life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And um, I want to ask a little bit more about the star seed. So what, what star seed are you by chance? So this was really interesting. I used to identify myself with one or the other. Like I felt like in my life I was Pleiades and then I definitely went through an Octarian phase and then went into um, like the, um, the Timbers. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Timbers. And then my guides said to me, because I asked them, why is it that I feel like I'm shifting? They said, you can be different star seeds at different times because we're all connected. Mm. There might be a time in your life where you are, you're going into your Palladian energy. Then you're going into your Syrian energy. Then you're going into your Orient energy. So it's, it can be whatever. Mm -hmm. And so say for instance, right. I'm only aware that I'm a Syrian A and Lemurian star seed. So how do you kind of start accessing the channel of figuring out what other star seeds you you are because obviously i'm most likely not just two well because it, like for the octarians when i started really being navigating toward the octarians and if you listen to any of the octarian stuff they're all about the field of the heart like so much mm -hmm. so what you'll notice is is you're just going to be attracted to listening to certain things or you'll be attracted to them they'll just come across your existence like when i felt like i was getting in the octarian i didn't even know octarians existed and all of a sudden they started coming into my realm of like awareness and that's a sign. Okay, you pay attention to this. You're probably going into that right now. And and so every couple of years is like like Earth's a game. So it's kind of like you have to go through different like set of years until you activate certain gifts of what you should be working with at that time. But is there like a way for you to kind of, if they feel like you're ready, you can integrate those gifts at a sooner time? Like how does the timing of working with new gifts happen? So it's, it's never about time. Remember time doesn't exist. <laughs> time is an illusion and it's usually resistance and denial. So like, for example, when my kids ask me for something and I say, I'll tell you in a week, I never think about it until like the second before I have to tell them my answer. So that's me being in denial and resistance against answering them. The time didn't matter. So remember, time is just resistance and denial. So the faster you're able to surrender into your heart, let go of bullshit programming and not listen out of guilt, doubt, shame, and fear, the faster you'll be activated. It could be instant if you if we could get there. Mm -hmm. And that's following your heart space. So how soon are you willing to fully follow your heart space? And that's the word of the day. <laughs> yes. So you have worked with all these different certifications and you felt divinely like to work with them. So you made it a part of the academy program. Yes. Yeah. So I've taken everything that I felt like has been invaluable to me 
and put it under like one umbrella. And it's meant to me, it's definitely not just about, about, I mean, I love the certifications, but it is about activating your light body, your own uh, Merkaba so that you can be the activation for other people. When you live your truth, when you come from the field of the heart, when you are relentless about being joyful and in love and having your heaven on earth, you then carry a light body that will activate other people. I don't care what you're doing. You could be a Walmart greeter with that light body and everybody who walks past you will get activated. So at that point, you can do whatever you want in life and you'll be helping the world. And that's my mission. Okay. And how do we kind of um, start activating our DNA or our light body? Like how do we even just have the initial start in the right, well, not right direction, but in the awareness of to start activating that? Remember our, our DNA. Okay. So scientists tell us that there's junk DNA. If you look at any anatomy book, it'll say junk DNA. There's no such thing as junk DNA. It's unactivated DNA. Why is it unactivated? Because the frequencies of our shadow energies, guilt, doubt, shame, fear, monitoring, those frequencies are too stuck and stagnant to allow that DNA to activate. Mm -hmm. So when you, once again, the always, the answer is always when you go into your heart, when you do self-love and joy, and you do what you need to do to bring your heaven to earth, you release those energies of guilt, doubt, shame, and fear. And that DNA says, okay, now I can wake up. And then codes will start coming in. You'll start seeing geometrical mm -hmm. symbols. Codes will come from everywhere. You roll your eyes in the back of the head when you see these codes and activate your old brain. And that's essentially how you, any, well, that is what any DNA activation is. If, if someone comes up to you and just touches you and says, I'm going to activate your DNA. If you still have those shadow energies, you're just going to unactivate it because mm -hmm. it can't exist yeah. in low frequencies. Yeah. And like, how is uh, the sacral geometry, like symbols or codes that you see on, on the planet, like those symbols of sacred geometry, you know, visuals or uh, light codes, like light language, how is those different or are they the same? They essentially will do the same thing. What they are. So you know that there's people speak light language, right? Mm -hmm. So what I've noticed when I started speaking light language and at the same time, my all seeing hand activated, I started seeing these codes. So it was like all in one thing and what it essentially is and, and what it is. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I channel just as much as what everybody else does, but what it feels like to me when I'm getting the, receiving the information is it's almost like, okay, you're ready for this symbol or this sound and it's going to connect with your DNA and it's going to, it's, it's the, it's the thing that turns the DNA on. It's like the, I'm trying to think of a really good word. It's like, it, it fits into the socket. It, it lights it up. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, here it is. Here it is. Now let's activate your DNA. And then that's when you, when you activate your DNA is when you start to live in higher levels of awareness and consciousness. That's when miracles start to happen because you're actually going into a new earth, you're going into a different reality than what you just lived the day before. So something I tell people is, is sometimes when we shift these realities, it's hard for us to even to notice unless we notice. So it might look like one, you have this neighbor that's grumpy and the neighbor's always yelling at you. Okay. You do all this energy work on yourself. You're getting activations. You walk outside one day and that same neighbor looks at you and says, hi, 
it looks like you're living in the same reality, but not the same things aren't happening. Yeah. And, and I, there's this time where I set the intention to like a little scripting, like I do a uh, current reality scripting. So I can actually, you know, like you said, go to a new earth or the reality that's aligned to what I'm asking for. That's aligned to what I need. And it's like, I, I had a short, uh, short-term period of like maybe three days of being in that reality where everyone was nice my whole family was happy the the colors were more vibrant the frequency felt more higher like I was just so happy and at peace and I didn't worry about nothing that I normally would worry about you know just in general and and I so I understand what you're saying it's like little things are different and and have you ever had the experience where it's like when you're in that reality, there might be like a building that was there that's not there yes, or like a, yes. a billboard that's like there that wasn't there the day before. It's kind of like certain little signs to like let you know, like you're not in the same place, honey. <laughs> no, there's a one time I had, and this was crazy because I didn't do any psychedelic drugs or anything or, or psychedelic medicine. I was just coming home from a amazing, amazing seminar and I went through, I was driving home. It was like a uh, two hour drive. And I'm telling you, nothing was the same. And, and it freaked me out. Like I had to call my son at the time. He was like 16 and I had to be like, just talk to me. He's like, what's up, mom? And I was like, nothing's the same. Like everything's different. The billboards, the trees, like I'm not even in the same place. And I was scared that I was not going to find home. And then I just kind of grounded into it, accepted it. And then I came to a universe that I recognized. Now, whether I just... Remember the old universe? I don't even know what happened. I could have recognized the new universe. That was my new reality. I went back into the old. I'm not even sure, but it can get quite scary sometimes when you do that. Yeah, you kind of have to really ground and like detach from a lot of it, or you're gonna feel like um the feeling is insanity if you're not grounding. But I think it's beautiful, you know, like this is our true nature. So I think it's once you accept your true nature, things start to unfold to also help you accept what you really are. So it's not even about trying to accept it inherently right now that's going to take you know kind of reprogramming and reparenting your your mind and sh shedding those limit beliefs like when something no longer feels right or doesn't seem or sound right you know then it naturally kind of fades and a new idea comes into form so it's like I think it's not always about the end goal or the finish line there are there is no finish line but it's ultimately just also about learning to choose what you want to experience and just start doing little baby steps to making that choice because you're not going to have everything you want in your physical reality all at one time like yes it's there now because every version of you internally and infinitely all exists at the same time it also depends on what frequency you're resonating to also grab those things exactly exactly so finding something every day that you look forward to that's doing beautiful. Yeah, doing something joyful every day. I noticed that um, for myself, like I just really wanted to like learn the guitar and uh, surf and like do salsa dancing. Like when I went into those things that made me happy, I started manifesting really cool, really amazing things too. So it's like, what do you want to do? Yeah. Do it. And then that's another thing when people ask me, like, what do you, I hate the question, what do you do for a living? That <laughs> I think all of our answers should be, I do me. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm me because maybe you're, I don't know, building a mud pie, you know, and you're, oh, I'm a mud pieist. You know what I mean? Like, it's just whatever <laughs> you are, it's whatever you are. No, yeah. I like that. Like, what do you do for a living? I just live. 
I just love, I just observe like that's what we're here to do you know just to experience and it's cool that you said you wanted to play guitar because I'm literally like investing into buying a guitar probably next week like I already have it picked out I'm, yeah I want to start like being an artist and creating songs because why not you know oh yeah no I love it yeah yeah (laughs) I'm like I just want to do anything at this point sign me up (laughs) so I get it do you want to know how I did that um what happened was is my husband is a musician and I was yelling at him saying why don't you play the guitar and sing for me ever why don't you play and then I was teaching my clients or my students at an awake ceremony when we're doing ayahuasca to look in the mirror and say to themselves what they would say to their husbands. So I took the mirror and I said, why don't you play guitar for me? Why don't you sing for me? And I was like, duh, Rebecca, you love it. And that's what I knew I had to do guitar and, and sing. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. It's like whatever you're asking someone else to do that you enjoy or love that you integrate into your own life instead. That's yeah. So when I'm playing guitar, guess what he does? He brings his guitar and plays, which is what I wanted him to do in the first place. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Now, this was such a beautiful talk, and thank you so much again for sharing about the Awake program, and I had a very blessed conversation with you. Definitely needed it. <laughs> Need a little reminder, a little, yes, thank little you. shared awareness. <laughs> so, thank um, you so much for allowing me to be on your podcast. It's been um, just very honoring. Thank you. I do have a Facebook page, but I'm guilty of not posting as much as I should because I'm so busy. But, you know, my website, I know that's kind of old fashioned for you guys, but like it is um, www.consciousinfinity.org. Or you can go on Facebook and look at Conscious Infinity and you'll find me there as well. And we love you so much. And thanks for being on the show. Thank (laughs) you. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye-bye.